Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Katherine Morehouse. The Biden administration is retreating from its promises to stop funding oil and gas projects overseas, and it's a policy shift that's triggering a split among senior officials. Two years ago, the Biden administration pledged not to finance international oil and gas projects. But since then, U.S. funding has gone toward an oil refinery in Indonesia, natural gas shipments in Poland, and other overseas fossil fuel projects. In part, the administration's pivot is a response to the global tightening of fuel supplies since the Russian invasion of Ukraine and is meant to clarify and create consistency across all agencies. But some senior officials want to prioritize the administration's climate change goals, while others are worried about energy security and diplomatic alliances. Today, Politico's Zach Coleman breaks down the controversial policy shift, Indonesia as an example of what the White House is weighing, and the climate and geopolitical stakes. It's Tuesday, August 8th. So the challenge of maintaining this oil and gas policy, which has exceptions for certain purposes, is you can make a case for investing in oil and gas under certain conditions. It's just that those conditions had never really been spelled out. There are vague references to national security or for energy access, you can invest in oil and gas, but it doesn't necessarily give you a rubric for how to satisfy those exemptions. So I think that's what a lot of the controversy is. And with this oil refinery in Indonesia, it's a country that is dependent on gasoline imports. It has this major refinery that was 100 years old and terribly inefficient. So there's this question of, it was there a ready-made alternative? I think that's one of the bigger questions that was facing the Export-Import Bank. And certainly that is one of the reasons that the $100 million investment decision that Export-Import Bank ended up approving had to wrestle with was, are you prolonging the use of fossil fuels beyond what is necessary? And this investment decision really conflicted with the Biden administration stated public ban on financing oil and gas projects, even though they had these exemptions that would allow for this type of investment optically. How does this align with our climate positioning and our climate leadership? And that invited some criticism from John Kerry and John Finer, who is at the National Security Council, who called into the Export-Import Bank chair, Rita Joe Lewis, just ahead of this vote in April to say, pull this project from the agenda, which she did not do. And they eventually voted for this $100 million in financing over the objections of John Kerry and John Finer. And so clearly there was a split within the administration. And since that incident, you have scooped that the White House is expected to formalize its retreat from its promises to stop funding oil and gas projects overseas. Could you kind of detail that decision and how they are defending it? It's more of a clarifying these exemptions that already existed. And these exemptions exist for good reason, right? I mean, there are very clear energy security challenges that have popped up in the world as a result of Russia's invasion in Ukraine, which 
changed a lot of the energy supplies and global trade of energy to get countries off of Russian fuel. And what you had here was a process that all these independent financing agencies like the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation and Export-Import Bank and U.S. Agency for International Development got to adjudicate their own investments. They had their own process. And it came out that when they would use these exemptions for oil and gas investments, that sometimes the process was already so fully baked that even if the White House had an issue with it, it was hard to reel it back in. Now, this clarification assures that the White House will be able to weigh in before this process gets too far along and there might be more coherence. So I I don't know if it's necessarily a, we're going to put our foot on the accelerator for oil and gas. It's more, we're going to have better sight lines for when we are going to approve oil and gas financing. Got it. And you talked to a lot of sources with climate concerns. I'm curious, what did they tell you about this? Yeah, there's a big question of why should the U.S. be putting any public financing behind oil or gas investments that are going to prolong the use of fossil fuels? I mean, the Indonesia refinery is a clear example here where you are extending the lifeline of a massive infrastructure project that is used to produce gasoline. And there's a question of if the U.S. financing didn't come through, would any financing have come through? Or would Indonesia have had to go full speed ahead to the electric vehicle transition? It's hard to know that because one of the other ideas out here is that what if China were to then invest in an infrastructure project? And in a lot of ways, the U.S. is competing for influence with other countries by putting U.S. financing behind projects that China might otherwise put financing behind if we weren't there. So I think there's that aspect of competition here as well. Right. And that kind of brings us to how this policy also frustrated some U.S. diplomats and specifically diplomats in developing nations and some of our own allies. Can you talk a bit about why they're frustrated and detail a bit more the geopolitical stakes here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of countries and project developers that are confused about when these exemptions can be used and how they can be pursued because countries have noticed that other investments like a $500 million transaction to get gas to Poland or $400 million to get gas to Moldova have started popping up. And there's questions of how do they get that? You know, there's a war in Europe and it's affecting a lot of us. It affects Asia too in the way global supplies move around. So there are big questions that have arisen. When I was talking to administration officials, they noted we understand the world has changed and that Russia's invasion has upended global energy markets to some degree. But our policy is still to put an overwhelming majority of our money behind clean energy. And they talk about the success they've had in energy efficiency investments and renewables investments to get Europe off of fossil dependency. So those looking for the exemptions are maybe looking in the wrong place. They should start thinking about cleaner investments first. 
Also, one year after the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, companies have announced more than $270 billion in capital investments in U.S. utility-scale clean power projects and manufacturing facilities. That's according to a new report from the American Clean Power Association out on Monday. The law is meant to provide long-term certainty to the solar, wind, and battery sectors through expanded and extended tax credits and aims to build a domestic supply chain for clean power technologies. Overall, the domestic investments announced over the past 12 months exceed the combined clean energy investments made in the United States over the last eight years, according to the analysis. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron knows developing and deploying carbon capture and storage is a critical step in helping make progress towards global net zero, which is why we're targeting 25 million tons of CO2 per year in storage and offsets by the end of the decade. That's energy in progress. Visit chevron.com slash carbon capture.